if it's not too late in the Christmas season, there's a couple of things that I'd like to say as we begin December. Two, two thoughts and a warning about Christmas. The first is to talk as a family about how much you spend at Christmas. Approach it with biblical wisdom. That might be a new thought to some of you. Santa's not in scripture. Wait. Um, Approach it with biblical wisdom that you can sit down together as a family and talk about what Christmas is about. So approach it with biblical wisdom and talk about time, money, resources, everything. How much are we going to spend at Christmas? The second is to give to something bigger than you, bigger than your family. Give to something that's about church, missions, a legacy of God, something that does not go away. Just about everything I can think of related to Christmas in what we purchase is going to go away, need to be upgraded, repaired, or thrown away and bought again next year. So give to something bigger than you. Commit that you can talk about that as a family. Now, warning. Don't use the Christmas season to show your kids how much you love them. In fact, it's the opposite. It should be the whole year that we spend telling our kids how much we love them. Show them how much you love them all year long. Christmas should be about how much do you love God? Show them that. How much do you talk about your Savior and his coming this Christmas? Just some thoughts. How many people have more than 20 Hallmark movies on your DVR. Raise your hand. Now I know, wait, I know there's more than that. Well, Hallmark started like in August, I think, with Christmas movies. So you, I'll guarantee you, some of y'all have way more than 20 lined up, three a day. Um, Christmas means many, many things. And memories, thoughts, family. For many, it's a hurtful feeling. For some, it's a, it's a very important feeling inside of us to be together with friends and family. All kinds of emotions go on surrounding holidays. Let's make it a really big one this year. Lean in with me just a minute. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the God of the universe decided to come to us, talked about through the entire Old Testament, 
something changed. The message of hope came out. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's about God's redemption. The opportunity to talk about the first Sunday of the Advent. Hope. Father, our prayer today is that we can get a glimpse of your meaning of hope in the stories of scripture. That we take the opportunity to realize this exciting thing is for us. Hide me behind the cross today. May we see you. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hope is an exciting thing. Hope in itself is an exciting thing. It's something we anticipate, something we feel, something that all of us can experience at one point or another. The opportunities for hope come and go. The hard part for each of us is to maintain the hope because we put it in so many different things. Hope defined is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Sometimes we lose sight of what's valuable. Maybe even loss of life itself and we're just drained down We cannot see light at the end of the tunnel. Hope is lost. So let's travel back into the Old Testament. If you'll turn in your Bible with me to two places. One, Luke 1. Flip over to Luke 1. Put your finger there. And then flip over to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. As we travel back, there was a need for a sense of hope like you would not believe. The end of times when 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, hard times will come in these last days for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, Slanders without control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Sound familiar? In many ways, we find ourselves in the very same place. History is repeating itself over and over again. And they find themselves at this time. And now Malachi in chapter 3 is going to talk about the sending of the preparer, the messenger. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. See, I'm going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord will seek and suddenly come to the temple. The messenger of the covenant you delight in. See is coming, says the Lord of the armies. 
And then flip over to uh, Malachi 4, 5. Look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts and fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Right at the end of that, there is 400 years of silence from God. God's not speaking to prophets. He's not speaking to preachers. <laughs> He's not speaking to, there's no pillar of fire. There's nothing that the people are accustomed to for 400 years. They're praying for one day what Malachi prophesied. It was a land full of rituals, a people of self-righteousness, lawlessness. Religions began to come out. Religious came out. People were divided up into tribes. It was the darkness of our faith for 400 years. So in many cases, we could look at this time as they were lost. But we would be wrong. God chose at a certain time and a certain place to bring hope to his people. Rather than tell the story, I want to read the story. This is going to have a lot of scripture. But instead of me talking about it, I believe the word of God tells it the best. Follow with me in Luke 1, verse 5. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive. And both of them were well in their years. They were old. In verse 8, when his division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. It happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of people were praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. Now, pause just a second. 400 years. How many times had all these priests done this? 400 years. My granddad's granddad's granddad. Everybody's been doing this. And then it changed. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you will name him John. There will be a joy and delight for you. 
And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in the mother's womb. He will turn many children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of righteousness to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel? For I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So Luke introduces us to two characters, Zechariah and to Elizabeth. A story of preparedness. Malachi talks about something that's going to happen with no timeline. 400 years later, Zechariah hears from Gabriel. So as we're talking about this, let's set up these characters in this story. Zechariah is a Levite priest in Abijah's eighth division. He's one of 18,000 priests, some odd priests. There's a lot of them. And he was cast by Lot, roll the dice, it's you. You go in there, into the temple, the altar of incense. It seems such a chance that something would happen but not in God's plan. Elizabeth, from a Levite family, she was barren, past childbearing years, had not had children, could not. A relative of Mary, mother of Jesus. And then John, the baby, is going to become John the Baptist, the forerunner, the preparer, the messenger of the Messiah. A very clear intent path for our Savior. He's the cousin to Jesus. Now we can look more and more into the bio of each one of these and get lost in the chance of it. But Let's talk for a second about what does each of these names mean. Number one, Zechariah, the Lord remembers. Elizabeth means my God is an absolutely faithful one. John means Yahweh or God is gracious. This is not so random at all. In fact, it points to a very purposeful, intentful plan that God decided to speak. And he sent an angel.
And then follow with me. Verse 26. In the sixth month of an angel, Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But he, she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the, most, the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son, even in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left. This conversation about Zechariah and Elizabeth, Gabriel, Mary is about to change the world. The message is clear and we don't want to miss the message. It's way bigger than us. It's not about us. This is about the story of redemption. The Christmas story does not just start in a manger. It starts in the Old Testament. Carries for 400 years of ritual, of opportunities for people to fall, to become selfish, to make up their own laws, lawless darkness. And then hope appears. This is a really big deal. Mary was a favored woman. She was engaged but not married yet. Young, many theologians believe a teenager. Gabriel appeared to her. Her biggest concern was pregnancy is not going to be looked upon very kindly before marriage in the community. With Zechariah and Elizabeth, it was the renewal of a promise that they had been praying their entire life, that they would become father and mother. For Mary, it was the unanticipated moment when Gabriel showed up to both of them and carried the message of hope. Zechariah and Elizabeth had no idea that John would be their baby. John the Baptist, the baptizer. 
John would come. And actually, in Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus refers to John that among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Matthew eleven eleven. John the Baptist would prepare a way for the Messiah in a very calculated way, not by chance. With Mary, God revealed to her that Jesus would be coming to the world as a baby. God himself would be coming. The promise of God from the Old Testament would be fulfilled. Malachi, even Malachi, didn't know when. He just knew that the prophecy would be fulfilled. When God decides, it's time. When God decides it's time, it's time. Not before, not after, in his perfect timing. Think about all the things that would happen in 400 years in Kids and parents and grandparents would rotate over and over and over and over and over again. The rituals that would build the, the lost way of the biblical Jew. From the Old Testament and the way God spoke to them over and over and over again, they turned away from God. And then God would come back to his chosen people and rally them back because he would speak to them and then they would go away again and then the, over and over and over again. If you've read the entire Old Testament, you see that. So the same thing is happening again over 400 years. God has not spoken. And it changed because now there's going to be skin and bones on God. There's some things that we can take away with this. As God restores hope to the world, a very clear message, three things. Number one, hope begins with the voice of God. When God's voice is louder than anything else, we tend to hear it. When everything else is so noisy and there's so much static in our lives and busyness, we usually miss it. But it begins with the voice of God. If we have hope in anyone or anything outside of God, we're doomed for failure. Our hope present with God begins with his voice. His time is now. It's time that we start listening to the word of God. How, how much time do you spend in scripture? These folks didn't have the Bible. They are the Bible. We have the word of God in print. How much time do we spend reading the Bible, the Word of God. I challenge you to take an opportunity every day to read the Word of God. 
Is the voice of God loud enough for you to hear it? Is the circumstance around you quiet enough for you to hear it? You can come at it from any way you want. Hope begins with the voice of God. Number two, hope is delivered on God's timing. Not ours, not mine. It isn't God's time until he decides. We mentioned a while ago, when God decides it's time, it's time. And it's not gonna be before, it's not gonna be after. And we're so impatient. If we're searching for hope, stay calm. 400 years is a long time to wait. You know, if, if Malachi had written that when our Declaration of Independence was signed, we would just be a little over halfway there. A long time. Yes, they lost hope. We lose hope if we pray for something and we, we set our minds to something and a day later it's like, God's not answering my prayer. How many times does that happen? And by, I'll speak to me. How many times does that happen? Our expectation is we're waiting for a sign on a chalkboard or on a video or something is gonna happen the second I ask for it. God's plan is about him, not about you. Hope is delivered on God's timing. It's always perfect. There's no other way to say it. Number three, nothing is impossible with God. Gabriel's response to Mary, for nothing is impossible for God, Luke 1, 37. What a powerful statement that is true for eternity. There's nothing more truthful than Gabriel who had a front seat to everything. He was sent by God to go share a message to prepare the way and who is the Messiah to be able to say for nothing is impossible to God. How mind-blowing is the math? Just going back to just one thing. Let's go back to Zechariah. Math wasn't my great greatest part of uh, high school and college, but what are the chances of year one of 18,000 Levite priests and they're chosen by the roll of a dice. They're chosen by Lot and he would go in. How many times had he gone in? How many times had all of them gone in? The rituals of the day, that was, it was imperative that they follow the laws that they mostly were making up as they went through the last 400 years, trying to find favor with God. And this guy, Zechariah, a Levite priest, by lot, is going into the temple to burn incense on the altar of incense. And God showed up. Now you can imagine the people outside were waiting. How many times did that happen? the people were outside waiting for the priest to come out of the temple with a word from God. That day was different 
It was different. He came out like Moses off the mountain. He came out and they knew there was something different that day. There was a message that Gabriel had given to Zechariah, but the story tells us he was struck and mute. Gabriel says, you, because of your unbelief, you cannot speak. So he comes out, he can't even tell them what happened. I mean, the story goes on and on and on. That, that's just one thing of all the things that are happening here in this scripture, the preparation for the one who comes to prepare and the one who comes to save. Are you looking for hope today? Are you patient to hear God's voice? Are you trying to find your way? Are you doing it your way or are you doing it God's way? Are you doubting? This is the perfect time of year to hear the message of the Advent. For four Sundays, we're gonna be talking about the Advent. Hope, peace, love, joy. Each week, like today, hope. We're gonna lift that message from the Advent in the story of Jesus. Be patient. Follow with us. Pray that you can find each part of Jesus because they're all in Jesus. All of the Advent is defined on the Christmas Eve service of the center candle. This white candle right here is the Jesus candle. We light them all, all week or every week through the month and we light the Jesus candle at the Christmas Eve service. The opportunity to surmise hope, love, joy, peace into one person called Jesus Christ that carries the message. Hope. All was lost. Now is found.